Hey guys, if I can have your attention, please. We have some very special athletes that we want to recognize this morning. I'm going to call their names out after this video, but uh, our staff was blessed to be able to go to the high school Friday. And uh, I want to thank Kevin White for always taking footage. And Justin uh, Sendred, our student pastor, was there as well. And I'm, I'm always blessed to be able to go. Uh, and Kevin has uh, videoed, took pictures, and we have a uh, video we want to show you now. So uh, if you will, watch this. And then at the end, I want to recognize our Olympians. So look at the screen this morning, if you will. Thank you. Another sleepless night Pray and hope comes with the morning light Right now you're feeling like you've lost this fight And fear is screaming out your name When you say, God help me You wonder if he's even listening Truth is I wonder the very same thing So you don't have to feel ashamed Let me walk with you through this valley And tell you all that I've learned to be true Don't lose heart, don't you dare let go I see the sunrise 
Before you clap. Hold on before you clap. I'm going to ask if they're here today. Bradley Kerrigan to stand up. Carrie Hopke. Hannah Holder. Leighton Kilby. Ronnie Williams. And Jatana Elder if she's here. I don't know if Jatana can be here this morning. So here's our East Hills Baptist Church Olympians. Let's give them a hand clap. Congratulations. And if you will, just remain standing for a second. I just want to tell our Olympians, just remain standing for a second that we love you. We're, we're proud of you. So thankful for our church. Ever since the Olympic Games have been held, our church has been a, a financial partner with, uh, with uh, the Olympics. So thank you so much for giving. Uh, it's a blessing for us to take part in it. And we love every one of you. And if you'll go by them, I'm sure, especially Ronnie back there, he'll show you his medals. So we want to tell you we're proud of you and we love you. If you will, turn to your neighbor and welcome them to East Hazel Baptist Church this morning. Thank you. Thank you. 
took my place and laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood. John chapter 12 says the next day the great crowd had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is the king of Israel let's pray our heavenly father we cry out to you today Lord we all desperately need you 
every moment of every day. And Lord, this morning we, we remember on this Palm Sunday that on that day you came through, they declared you king, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. But Lord, we remember that also by the end of the week, many of them were shouting crucify him. And Lord, we reflect today and we remember your death on the cross, the shedding of your perfect blood. The only payment that was sufficient for our sin debt. And I pray that if there's anyone in this room today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that have not come to a point of knowing their need for a Savior, I pray that you would convict them today. And Lord, that we would remember your great sacrifice, a demonstration of your great love. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.
As you see in your bulletin, you can see here in front of the, the stage this morning, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper here in just a little while. And Paul gave the church at Corinth this warning that we should all heed, and it's a good thing. He said this, before we take the cup and the bread, he said, Therefore, who eats this cup, this bread, or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are sick and weak among you, and many sleep. And what Paul is saying is, before you come to this, okay, examine yourself, and it's okay to ask God for forgiveness, and it's okay to repent, okay? Typically, we do this at the end of the service, but today we're going to do this at the beginning. So as a praise team in the choir leads us in this time of, of examination, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to meet me at this altar, and let's pray together, and let's deal with these things before the Lord this morning. Thank you. time as you pray together number one thank the Lord for his death and resurrection ask the Lord to search your heart this morning remember he's a father who loves you and this morning say Lord please forgive me for and that's between you and the Lord and then this morning as a Christian say Lord I repent of then thank Jesus for his forgiveness. It's only through the shed blood that we can be forgiven. Father, as we come to this place today, Father, we're, we're reminded that you died on a cross for our sins. And Father, today, this, this cup and this juice reminds us of your body and your blood. And Lord, you tell us not to take this in an unworthy manner. Lord, we're all sinners. Lord, we all sinned yesterday. But Lord, we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us. I'm thankful that you look at us as your children. Father, the only way we can approach the table here in a little while is because of your shed blood. And we're so thankful for that. Father, we want to tell you that we love you today. Thank you for how you're going to help us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.
sins were gone, my sins forgot, there is a grave that tried to hide this precious blood that gave me life in three
was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, amen. Thank you, choir. Let's give the choir another hand clap. Thank you so much. What a blessing. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. We've been going through 1 Peter for about the last two months. And if you will, stand with me, and we're going to read verses 18 through 21. Just to kind of give you uh, some instruction this morning, when the Lord's Supper starts, I just want to remind you, this is for Christians only, okay? So if you're a non-Christian, we're going to encourage you not to participate this morning, unless you give your life to Christ. You can do that now if you want to. Um, but it's for Christians only, and we would encourage you, whenever we start to serve you, please don't get up at that time to go to the restroom or anything like that. Let's, let's show uh, reverence for that, and let's not be talking and different things like that. If you're a Christian and you don't feel comfortable taking it today for whatever reason, that's not my business. That's yours, and it's okay, all right? It's okay. Just be honest with yourself and with the Lord this morning, all right? Jesus said for us to do this in remembrance of him. 
Peter talks about the blood of Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 18. He says this, he says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. Notice the uh, value that God puts on silver and gold. Not much. Really not much. From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Some of your translations, if you look at the word aimless, may mean futile. That means apart from Christ, all the things that you do are futile in the end. All the things that you do are futile, aimless, no purpose. Okay, Jesus told the disciples, apart from me you can do nothing, your works are futile. Once we come to Christ, then God gives us purpose. But with the precious blood of Christ, look at the word precious. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. What a tremendous epistle. This first chapter is amazing that Peter writes. It's amazing this man was a fisherman. And then God saved him and gave us one of the great books of the Bible. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Lord, I personally want to thank you for saving Peter. Father, to, to view his life before Christ, when he comes to Christ, and then afterwards, Lord. And Lord, just the incredible knowledge that you gave this man to give to us. This first chapter is life-changing. It covers so many topics. And Lord, I pray that we would heed it today. And Lord, I pray that as we come to this time to remember you, that we would be thankful for the blood, the blood of Jesus that was shed. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So Father, this is a great day for us. And Father, help us to remember this. And Lord, help us to commit our lives to sharing this good news that you have died for sinners. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith in you, that today would be their day of salvation. And we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. And we love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The phrase, the blood of Christ, is used several times in the New Testament. It's always an expression of Jesus' death. Shedding blood means Jesus died, okay? Somebody said one drop of Jesus' blood would save, not if he didn't die and rise from the dead. The shedding of blood is a term in the New Testament that describes someone has died. Jesus did not spill his blood, he shed it. Okay, Jesus died, and that's when Peter comes to this part of this epistle, he talks about you were redeemed. And we're going to look at four things about redemption real quickly this morning. Notice the picture of redemption. And notice how Peter writes this, if you'll notice in verse 18. He says, knowing, he says, you know this, Peter assumed, like John did whenever he wrote his epistles, like James did when he wrote this, especially Paul would always say, you know this. I'm writing to you not to inform you, you know it. So the first church understood that they were redeemed, okay? Knowing that you were not, look at the word redeemed. You're redeemed, that means to purchase, that means to buy something. Do you realize that God purchased you? You've been bought. You've been redeemed, it means to uh, set a captive free, it means to set a slave free. You have been redeemed. That's the picture. It means to buy back. And Jesus didn't pay Satan, Jesus paid God's wrath off. Thomas Watson said this, Great was the work of creation, but greater the work of redemption. It costs more to redeem us than to make us. 
In the one there was but the speaking of the word, in the other there was the shedding of blood. Creation was but the work of God's fingers. Redemption is the work of his heart. And notice this, John MacArthur says redemption is a more specific term than salvation. Salvation is a very general term and redemption is very specific. Salvation looks at the whole of saving work, but redemption looks at the price involved or the means by which salvation is achieved. How are you saved? You were redeemed by God. Redemption shows a man or woman in bondage in a hopeless condition from which he must be delivered. I was saved on October 30th, 1990. Up until that point, I was hopeless in in a condition that I could not save myself, but God redeemed me through the shed blood of redemption, uh, through the shed blood of Jesus. The Old Testament picture of that is the children of Israel in Egypt. And Moses told Pharaoh, he said, let my people go or there's going to be bad days ahead. And Pharaoh said this, and he asked a good question, who's the Lord that I should believe in him? We have our own gods. We worship everything as a god. The sun, the water, just check history. They worshiped everything. So God said, I To answer that question, I'll send nine horrific plagues that'll show you who's God and who's not. He attacked every one of their gods. Plague after plague, he turned the Nile into blood. He sent frogs and gnats, flies on the land, gave all the people bulls, sent hell and locust plagues, and engulfed the land in darkness. Things only God can do, and everything that God did attacked their God. Okay, Pharaoh still hardened his heart. Isn't that amazing? That he sees that the God, only God could do these things. See, when, when Moses uh, and the magicians came out and Moses turned the staff into a snake, well, the magicians came out and did all these things. But you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't bring life. They said only God can do that. And then Moses, through God, brought life. Okay, God attacks every one of their gods to show that his God is more powerful. But Pharaoh still hardened his heart. And I would say that to say this, that some people, unfortunately, will never change. They just won't. So God said this, this is what I'll do. This is the last one. I'm going to kill every firstborn son of every Egyptian and evil, even Jews. He said, if you don't listen to me. And he said, the, the only way to, to stop that is to take a lamb and to kill it and put, and put the blood over the doorpost of your house. The similarities between the Passover lamb and Jesus is this. Had to be a male. Had to be as perfect as a lamb could be. Had to be killed on the 14th day of Nisan, which is the exact same day the Passover lamb was slaughtered. The exact same day Jesus was killed. None of his bones could be broken. And John said this happened, that the scripture might be fulfilled in Psalm 22, written by David. He didn't even know what he was talking about at the time, but uh, the Lord inspired him. John said when he saw Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This, this Lamb also had to be without spot or without blemish. And we know Jesus was perfect. Because Judas cried out after Jesus' death, I have betrayed innocent blood. Paul explained this, For he, God, has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Pilate, when he, when he observed Jesus and his crimes, he said, I find no fault in this man at all. Jesus, talking to the Jewish leader, says, which of you convicts me of sin? And again, Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 22, said, Jesus did not sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And then John added this in 1 John 3, in him was no sin. So God took the perfect lamb of God, who took our sin on himself, and he died in your place, and his blood purchased your freedom. 
An innocent man died in your place. That's the picture of redemption. The price of redemption is this. Notice on the screen, it's precious blood. Don't overlook that word precious here. The Hebrew word is megeb, which means this. It means to be extinguished. It means to be imminent. It means to stand out from. It means to be excellent. It means to have no equal. So no one else, is what Peter's saying, could have shed their blood and saved you. Jesus alone saves. Jesus alone saves. His blood is the costliest thing in the universe. It's the most expensive substance there ever has been. And that's why when you remember it, you should never take God's forgiveness lightly. How much does salvation cost? No one could pay the amount. Think about the richest people in America today, and we could all name some, right? They cannot buy their redemption. They can't. What shall it profit a man, church, if he gains the whole world, yet loses his own soul? You cannot purchase this. It, it's the blood of Jesus. Christianity is a blood-based religion. If you take the blood out of Christianity, you do not have biblical Christianity. There are many preachers today. There are many seminary professors Christian leaders and teachers in other religions who have, been, who have become strangely uncomfortable talking about the blood. Okay, Someone had to die for what you did. Notice again the Old Testament picture in Exodus 12. Notice what the Bible says. Now the blood, God says, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Okay, When I see the blood. See, God shows no partiality. It didn't matter if you were Egyptian or a Jew. You had to apply the blood. Didn't matter your educational background. Didn't matter your status. Because in Egypt, you had the Pharaoh, and then you had the people who made bricks, right? God says Pharaoh gets no special treatment. On Judgment Day, you get no special treatment. It's Jesus or nothing. Okay? He says, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you and destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Because what God's saying, judgment's coming. On this day, if I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. Think about that for a moment. Can you imagine a dad? Dads, look at me. Who's responsible for his family? It was his job to apply the blood. You think he said, oh, it's almost, it's almost dark. Let's go do it. Do you not think that was the only thing on his mind? I'm amazed in Alexander County, the Bible Belt. We're the buckle, right? We're the buckle. It could say KJV right here. Okay, We're the buckle of the Bible Belt. Where men in this county do not think it's important to go to church. I don't get it. I don't get it. Men, you're responsible. Spiritual leaders of your home. Spiritual leaders of your home. That man had the most important responsibility he'd ever had in his life by applying blood on the door. Am I going to believe God or not? Am I going to trust God or not? Oh, I'm sure it looked foolish. What if his neighbors didn't do it? Does it matter? Does it matter? God says, if I see the blood, that, that's, that's the precious blood of Christ. The blood. Listen, Paul says this, or the writer of Hebrews says this, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for you. The Old Testament sacrifices of, of bulls and calves and goats were, were continual and they were ineffective. They were never eternal. Jesus' blood is eternal. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Christ is our Passover. He was sacrificed for us. In heaven right now, 
they're singing this. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. They will reign on earth forever. The blood provides the final and ultimate blood covering from final judgment, just like it did there. Take refuge behind the blood, hide behind the blood of Jesus, just as the Hebrews did as slaves in a foreign land. We must activate our faith and come and surrender to Jesus and hide behind the blood. The blood cleanses us, John says, from all sins. Listen to what one scholar says. Even with the millions, think about this, and gallons of blood that was shed over those many hundreds of years in the Old Testament, not one single sin was cleansed. Had to do it every year. Not once. They were only rolled up until the time when Jesus could go to the cross and shed his blood for our sins. Charles Finney was an old preacher of old, an evangelist. Some people liked him, some people didn't. People still got saved at his meetings. He went to a bar to talk to a bartender. True story. When he goes into the bar, he's talking to the, bar, the guy who owns the bar. And he's talking to him about Jesus. Listen to what that guy said. He says, Mr. Finney. Mothers come in here and lay their babies on the counter and beg me not to sell liquor to their husbands. I turn a deaf ear to their cry. We see to it when a man leaves here, he's well under the influence. More than one night, a man leaving here has been killed by the express at the tracks. Dr. Finney, tell me, can God forgive a man like me? I've been in too many prisons and heard that same question asked. Dr. Finney says this, I have but one authority, the Word of God, which says the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for that? Those who refuse to come to Christ insist on standing before God without a mediator. Thus, you must bear your own sins. Notice thirdly, the, the plan of redemption. Our redemption was planned. Notice what Peter says. He says, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God had you in mind before he said, let there be light. It would be totally incorrect because of this to say Christ's blood was spilt because that would imply an un unintentional death. This was planned. On the day of Pentecost, Peter, preaching again, says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determined purpose or foreknowledge, determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. God ordained and prophesied the person, the place, and even the phrases that he would say. God used Pilate, Judas, Caiaphas, Rome, the Romans, and the Jews like little crayons, because God understood our redemption was necessary. It was necessary. It's a vicarious atonement where one person stands in the place of another. God prophesied the place and the instrument that would be used. You've got to understand that the cross was a place of shame. In Matthew 27, verses 40 through 44, it says that the crowd chanted at Jesus. They spit upon him. They mocked him as he was dying on the cross. This was done publicly in the places of heavy traffic, Calvary was. It's like a Walmart on Sunday afternoons. 
They wanted to publicly humiliate the person that was dying and their family. The families always came out. You saw Mary, his mother was there. Think about that, dying in front of your mother. Strip nude, accused of being a criminal. This typically brought out the lowest of the lows in society. One scholar says this, the winos, the prostitutes, the Satan worshipers, the street people, teenage thugs who wanted to make fun of you in your last days would come out and make fun of you. They'd talk about your body, laugh at your mama, say things like you're about to die, or if you would cry or whimper, they'd really make fun of you. They'd spit at you, throw things at you. All the while, the men on the cross would lose control of their bowels and literally use the bathroom all over themselves and on their cross in front of everyone. It was a place of shame is what I'm trying to say. You're dying in front of the worst of the worst, and there's your mom. And why would Jesus do that? Look in the mirror. Jesus knows every. Paul said this, very rarely will somebody die for a good person. Well, let me ask you a question. Would you die for your mom? Would you die for your dad? Now, don't answer, because you don't know. Would you die for your spouse? Would you die for your kids? Some of those you may say yes. Would you die for a guy on death row? I don't think so. Jesus died for you. He says, Very rarely will somebody die for a good person, but Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, hung nude on a cross in public traffic where people were mocking him and making fun of himself. All the while, you see all the things that go on there. It was a place of shame. Friend, this was planned. God said, Jesus, that's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And then finally, we see the purpose of redemption is so that we could have freedom. Notice just three things that redemption does for us. It means I can be forgiven. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I am spared from God's wrath. Romans 5, 9 says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of through him because God's wrath is coming and then finally we are saved from a conscience defiled by guilt let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water friends listen sin brings guilt when I was a lost person I was 20 when I got saved I would try everything in my power to get rid of the guilt that I had from my sin I tried everything I could think of. I I remember one famous psychiatrist telling Billy Graham before he died. He said, said, Mr. Graham, 70% of the people in the mental institutions that he works with could be set free tomorrow if they could understand that they're forgiven. Listen, you cannot get rid of guilt. You can't. That guilt will, 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 will stay with you. It's kind of like I've met people who have anxiety issues. It just never goes away. Okay. See, before I preach, I got these butterflies. Imagine that being your life. I feel sorry for people that have it. You can't help it. But, but add to that, on top of that, guilt for something you've done. Read Psalm 32. David said, my bones grew old. My tongue claved to my mouth. I aged. That's what guilt does. You cannot forgive that. But what the writer of Hebrews says is that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you and take that guilt from you. Isn't it amazing? I am freed from a conscience that is defiled by guilt. Unbelievable. Oh, precious is the blood, church. Precious is 
the blood. Forgiveness is a costly thing. We should not forget. Many of you today need to cross the line and make your faith public. And you say, you're going to ask me to come down? Nope. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to call upon Christ now. And your public profession of faith is today's your first day of taking communion. For, for what God says is this table is only for those who know Christ and place their faith in Him. So what we do before we take the cup is we look within, as we've already done. We repent of sin. Don't try to hide it or justify it. Don't take it if you're living in sin today and you don't want to repent. Don't take it. We look back. It's the time of Thanksgiving. I always look back to my salvation date. I always look back to that when I take this. And then we look ahead. Jesus says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Aren't you thankful he's coming back? So let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for this day. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to worship you through the Lord's Supper. Father, this wafer in this cup represents your body that was broken. Father, this juice in this cup represents your blood that was shed. Lord, it's precious. It was planned. Lord, we thank you for the purpose behind it that is fulfilled. And Father, I pray that you be honored and glorified today as we worship you through this ceremony and this celebration that you told us to do until you come back. And Father, we want to tell you that we love you today. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. And once again, all of God's people said, amen. Thank you. I'm going to ask Kevin to come and our musicians to get in place. God gave us two elements for, the, for this. The first is the, is the bread. And they're both going to be in here. And we're going to ask you to, uh, we're going to do one at a time.
I'm going to ask you to go ahead and tear the top off, but don't, don't eat yet. The Bible says this, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And they gave thanks. And I'm going to ask Chris Russell, our chairman of deacons, if he will to pray and thank God for his body that was broken for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, what a blessing. Father, we thank you today that we can partake in this ceremony. God, the sacrifice that provided us. Lord, we thank you for the mercy. Lord, it took away what we did deserve. Lord, and the grace that gave us what we didn't. And Father, we just thank you once again for your body shed for us. And we thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And they ate together. Now, if you will, turn that over and open that. Well, the Bible says this. It says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks 
and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins, and they gave thanks. I'm going to ask Kevin, if he will, to thank God for his blood that was shed for us. Lord, we thank you for your amazing plan to send your son, the perfect lamb slain before the foundations of this world. Thank you, Lord, for your great love, your amazing plan. Lord, the forgiveness of our sin, Lord, it is only through the blood that we're able to stand in your presence, guilt-free, knowing we have eternal life. Thank you for shedding your blood for us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And they drank. The Bible says that after Jesus instituted this supper that they all sang. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will. And we're going to sing Amazing Grace. And as uh, we finish up singing this, if you will, shake hands with somebody and you'll be dismissed. Thank you. you we're on a regular schedule tonight uh, for the adult Bible study time we're going to do what we call care and it'll be in the co-ed six Sunday school classroom which we call Steve Lackey's classroom so if you'd like to take part in that we'd love to see you there God bless you hope you have a great Sunday afternoon and hope to see you back here tonight thank you <laughs>